the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You don't hear the name Judas being used these days, and there's a good reason why. We'll explore that reason today on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. One of those characters found in the New Testament that you try to avoid at all costs. The life of Judas is on tap for today. We welcome you to the broadcast as we continue our examination of John 13. We run across this guy, this traitor, Benedict Arnold, another name we seldom hear of these days. So the life of Judas is in front of us. We invite you to join us from Valley Bible Church right here in Hercules, our teacher and pastor emeritus, Pastor Phil Howard, on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. The character of a man, great religious exposure, perverse heart, and uh, personal rejection. What the crime? What was the crime? How did he do it? Well... Christ was troubled in verse 21 when he knows the plot is about to be carried out. And when the heel is coming into his face and he's meeting this personal rejection, it was a grievous thing. And Christ was troubled in his spirit. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. It shows the human pathos. This was no, ah, do it, Judas. Wasn't that? It was all. What more do you need to see, Judas? I just washed your feet. I want to cleanse you, but you won't let me in. I'm troubled. He used it in John 11 when he was troubled at the death of Lazarus. I'm troubled. I know you're going to do it, but oh, I'm grieved. I know you've got the plan. I'm not deceived. I want to tell you you're going to do it so that you know I'm not deceived. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. He's already made the deal. He settles on a price. He begins to look for an opportunity. He leaves the upper room. He leaves the greatest love. He refuses love and he chooses hate. There's nothing sometimes as tragic as investing your life in someone who betrays everything you taught them. I have had a young man in Bible college. He was the star of the campus. He was the best preacher in the school. And since I taught the preaching classes, homiletics and expository preaching, he got very close to me. My wife begged for him. Many of these boys had stayed in the dorm over the weekend. They had no place to go. 
They were broke. And we would have them in our home. And she was a great hostess to them. This guy, he, he could learn to speak. He, when I was popular as a speaker, on camp, he learned to speak like me. I took him to a conference where Howard Hendricks was speaking. He dropped me like a dirty shirt. He learned to speak like Hendricks. You know, I'm speaking to dozens and Hendricks is talking to hundreds. After a while, he heard Swindoll. He dropped Hendricks and he picked up the Swindoll. And, and I must say, he could do any guy he imitated better than the guy. He was outstanding. Great, just naturally gifted. Very good. But the great tragedy is when he ended his life pastoring and womanizing at the same time. When he used the grace of God as a cloak for a dirty life. When he abandoned all of his holiness roots. And I taught him the security of the believer. I taught him about grace. I never taught him to have another woman in his life besides his wife. It's a horrendous thing to pour yourself into someone that betrays everything you believe and teach. Christ is grieved in this room. The calamity of Judas, what happens? He went out and it was night. And in the book of John, night and light. Light and darkness is a spiritual description. He that does not want to know God will not come into the light lest his deeds be exposed. So John is very strong using light and night as spiritual designations. It being night was not only a Palestinian night, it was the longest night of his soul. For it made a decision that became irreversible. Everything gets darker after this night. He goes out. And choices have consequences. You can choose to step off of a 20-story building, but you can't choose how you're going to land. You can't get 10 stories down as I want to reverse the consequences. That's why we're scared to death with our young people. We don't want you to go out here and just say a night of sex and you come down with AIDS. You come down with a life that you've got to decide, do I abort or do I raise it? And I'm 16 years old. Sin has consequences. The wages of sin brings the night of the soul and death. And Judas enters into it after he makes his choice. He has remorse that fills him. And I must turn you to Matthew 27 to pick up these terms. Look at Matthew 27, if you will. And we see after he sold Christ out... And they begin, he sees that he's going to be crucified, sees what has done. Notice what it says in Matthew 27. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. You, even a betrayer, can have remorse over the wrong decision. But there was no reversing it. It was too late. There's some decisions in life you cannot reverse. The rejection of Christ for him led to a suicide and an irreversible eternal state. Notice the coldness of the leaders. He says, 
I want to return the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. His crime brought his guilt. The responsibility was his. No matter what the devil suggested, no matter the devil put it, giving him the plot, no matter the devil working on his soul, they said, the responsibility for what you've done is on you. And I must say, you can't change adult behavior. People choose to do what they want to do. But you must be responsible for what you do. The consequences are your own, Judas. The rejection was the rejection of Christ for money. I uh, just thought, you know, I got some coins here and I thought he went down to sell Christ and they begin to bargain I'm sure Judas wanted more than 30 pieces of silver that's really a chintzy amount of money but he was dealing with crooks and they were double crooks because they were religious crooks the worst kind And as they begin to barter, they begin to measure out the money. 30 pieces of silver out of the book of Deuteronomy is what a fellow Jew had to pay if your ox gored my slave. Workman's compensation was 30 pieces of silver. That cheap. You can actually... sell a wounded, bleeding slave. And Judas sold the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Creator, the Savior, for the price of a gored human being. The devil always sells God cheap. The cheapest price. Because he'll tell you God's not worth much anyway. He told Esau, your birthright's not worth much. It's not worth as much as a bowl of soup. He told this man, betray the Son of God. The 30 pieces of silver that he finally had measured out, he never spent one dime of it for anything that brought him pleasure. He rejected Christ for money. He rejected Christ for the devil's lie. What is the devil offering you for you to give up Christ? Is there another person in your life that says, why don't you come with me, but you've got to give up that religion stuff. Come and be my gal, be my guy. But you've got to get rid of Christ. I don't like a lot of Christ around. It kind of bothers me. Somebody trying to get you into drugs, get you in bed, get you to sell your God out, your morals out, your Bible out, your church out. What price do they offer? Come with me. I'll make you happy. They're lying through their teeth. If you're God's child, you will be broken and miserable. If you're not God's child, it will be one more step towards hell. What price is being offered to our young people? Even corporate America asking men to... It doesn't matter if you have a family. It doesn't matter if you have a church life. What matters is that we own you lock, stock, and barrel. We don't care if you keep your marriage. We don't care if your kids know you. And we don't care if you attend your church. That's all old fogey. The bottom line is profit. The ruin of the man. 
it says that he went out. He threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It's against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. The place you bury people that do not have a covenant relationship with God. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. Jeremiah 19. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Jeremiah was told to go to the potter's house in Jeremiah 18, and he went there, and he observed the, the potter pushing the wheel as they did, and the clay going around on that little table, and his hands came on that clay, and pretty soon he felt grit. Sometimes pebbles or rocks get into that clay and he felt it and it'd keep hitting his hand. Every time it went around. And Jeremiah said, I observed. I saw that the clay was not cooperative. So all of a sudden, he just, they just take and throw the clay down on that table again and start spinning. So he made it again another vessel. Get the pebbles out. Get the rocks out. That's what he does with this man named Rocky, Peter. He gets the rocks out of him, the pebbles. And he told the devil, you can go and you can sift him. But when you get through, you're going to get rid of all the chaff and all the pebbles. But he really is my child. You don't get all of him. Judas refused to be shaped. And he lands in the field of broken, shattered pottery. The potter's field was either where they got the clay to make the pottery or it's where you threw the junk broken potsherd. You threw it out in this field. And of all places for the betrayer to wind up and not even knowing that his money would be used to buy the field for the broken, the shattered, and the estranged. But it was all symbolic of his life. I refuse to believe. I refuse to change. I refuse to be molded by the hands of God. I refuse it. I want a deal. I'll sell Christ for a deal. And he winds up the broken, shattered man with his very intestines on the field. What a pitiful end. What can we learn from this? Number one, just being around good people. It's not enough to get you to heaven. You've got to believe in Jesus. Don't take for granted every sermon you hear, every believer you know, parents, influences. Please believe, believe. Just being around church folks won't get you to heaven. You must believe in Christ for yourself. Two, just because someone names the name of Christ doesn't mean they know Christ. Let him who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity for the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal upon it the Lord knoweth them that are his 2 Timothy 2.19 and if you know that you are his you will make a departure from sin you can't help it it's a new birth working out I think thirdly we can know that don't sometimes people's attitude towards money 
and God reflects that they don't know God. If you've never got caught up in a worship that you would give your only son like Abraham was willing to do on an altar, or you would do like David of old, I, I want to pour out a drink offering to the Lord. I must buy this field. I will not offer that to God, which costs me nothing. Cheap service, cheap attitudes towards Jesus Christ means you don't really know him enough to love him. Peter said we were not redeemed with gold coins and silver coins, but we were bought with the precious blood of a lamb slain. Now, when it comes to my pocketbook, my body, my lips, my life, who am I negotiating with this Jesus? What is he worthy of? My life, my soul, my all. Do you think that's only what preachers get paid to say? The creator of the universe says it. Let my voice perish. The word of God will not perish. He wants his people to give him their all, their life, their time. He's worthy. He's worthy. Not me, him. If he's your savior, if he's not, no wonder you're offended to hear every call to service, every call to give, every call to sacrifice. It's an offensive, stumbling message. It ought to stumble you. You don't know him. I didn't expect you to buy my wife anything yesterday. You didn't marry her. It's my anniversary. I love her uniquely. It fits for me to show the love. And if you know Christ... Knowing you, Jesus, you're the best. Oh, why do we struggle so much to give him anything? From thanksgiving to our body, to our time, to money. Your time is his time. You won't live any longer than he lets you. But he wants you to give him something from a free heart. Judas could never do that because he was unsaved. It grieves me when I see believers act like the unregenerate about money. They'll always spend it on that which is for nothing and can never figure out Christ deserves to be honored. Well, finally, if you refuse divine kindness, if you refuse divine kindness, your life is going to be shattered, broken, and put in the potter's field. Were broken vessels, broken lives that refuse to be mended. Refuse the touch that rescues you from obscurity, oblivion, and eternal uselessness. Your soul's on the scales today. What is uh, the bid for your life? There's a bid for you, and there's another one for sale. You don't realize, but the Christ you claim to own, the world will say, why don't you sell him out? We'll give you this if you'll give up this. We'll give you this, but it will cost you this. Let's make the trade. And if you listen, if you listen, you'll wind up bartering for 30 pieces of silver you'll never get to enjoy. You'll never get to spend. It will be thrown down somewhere in life, and you'll die shattered and broken. But, if you refuse the bargain, says, I choose Christ. Peter says, I'll be crucified upside down because I love him. 
Judah says, I'll be buried in the field of blood because I betrayed him. Have you ever put faith in Christ? Are you a churchman that's not saved? What's saved about you? What is there about you that would say you're really saved? Uh, being an usher, a deacon, an elder? No, that'll save you. Might keep you from getting saved. Too many folks have gotten so ingrained in many churches and played the role so long, it's too humbling to ever say, I don't know him. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine, he and his wife pastored in Pleasant Hill. We'd meet together for lunch, and he'd been pastoring for about, oh, I'd say 10 years. We went to seminary together. We'd have him speak for us. One day I got the news his wife just got saved, the pastor's wife. I got a hold of him. I said, Ron, I hear. What's going on? He said, she's been playing the role for years. I didn't know it, but she got saved this week. She finally met Christ for the first time and been a pastor's wife and been naming the name for over 10 years. But she said it wasn't until this week she knew her sins rolled off that she got a new life. She quit being just a pastor's wife. She became a Christian this week. I trust you know Christ. I don't want to make it easy for you not to. That's why I keep preaching him. Keep, keep begging you to make a choice to know the real thing. If your Christianity is making you miserable, I'm suspicious you don't have the real kind. Or you're going against what you know. I beg of you, come to Christ. Don't take the 30 pieces of silver. It will make you rich for eternity to choose Christ now. If you suffer for him, you're going to reign with him. And whatever the bidding price is for your soul and for your Jesus, say no. Young people, they're trying to get you to buy the world's morals, their language. Kids, if you'll hold steady, if you can just outlast puberty, hormones, and teen pressure. There will be relief coming and you'll find out once all the drug parties are over and all the sleeping around's over and you've stood for Christ, He will pour in your life riches you cannot contain. I, it's the truth. I say to our singles in our, this church with a thousand temptations for the single bar and the single life, those who've been divorced, those who've been, please trust God. Don't lose hope. Don't become discouraged. God has not forgotten you. The world's making a big bid, but it's fool's gold. It will not be the real thing. And I say to every man on a job where a woman is seducing or you're being tempted or they're trying to get you into economics where you abandon godly priorities, please, please don't sell out Christ, your family, or your soul. May God help us. When I'm in this upper room, I tread lightly. I don't think I'm a Judas, but neither do I want to be a Peter and say it can never happen to me. If it can happen to Peter, it can happen to all of us. That's why we must not act out of pride, but cry out of humility, Lord, spare me from betraying and denying you. It's the easiest thing you can do in a moment. 
but sometimes it's irreversible. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.